0: Welcome to the Serious TV Drama Podcast. I'm Scott. And joining me this week, well, once again, well, sure, he can be a salty dog, but he's still a good egg. It's Brian. Hey, Brian. Hey, Scott. Good evening to you. And a good evening to you as well, Brian. As you know, and everyone listening knows, we are here to discuss the, I love saying this word, it's one of my favorite words in the English language for some reason, the penultimate, penultimate, the penultimate episodes of both Succession and Barry. Oh, by the way, I was actually thinking about the. The idea of maybe doing them in separate podcasts next week. Then I said, nah, nah. I was like, why, will we be that much less tired by the time we get to one after the other? No. Anyway, so with no further ado, let's get our black suits on and bow our heads. Let's begin our look at Church and State, which, as I just mentioned, is the next to last episode ever of Succession. Now, in my mind, as I watched this episode, I kind of slid it next to last week's episode, not just because, duh, that's the order of the episodes, but I also kind of looked at it it, oddly as almost like a two-parter for Roman, much like that episode and the one prior to that one felt like a two-parter about Shiv and Tom. So I looked at it this way. So if America decides, the previous episode, if that was the rise of Roman, Well, church and state is his fall. I see what I did there. Rise and fall. I'm so smart. So, I mean, you in this episode, it's really, I I really, although one could be really critical and say it's an almost unwieldy structure, eh, I'm going to dismiss that. I really like the fact you can tentpole the beginning, the middle, and the end of the episode to see, you know, like I just said, Romans rise and fall in the episode and that's kind of how i want to kick off the conversation about about the episode as opposed to just going specifically just you know beat by beat throughout the entire one although we'll we'll try to hit as many things and you'll remind me about anything we because we're going to bounce around a little bit here because if you think about the beginning you know we start off with roman he's about as confident and cocky and as high on a cloud as he's ever been he's practicing his eulogy which may or may, I love that we're not really sure, is he actually going to pump himself up quite the way he's doing when he's talking mm-hmm. to himself or not? You know, I, I love the little asides to himself when he's mocking his siblings, as he's envisioning the reactions to his performance, you know, when he says things like, you know, see Shiv cry, see Kenny lie, see Roman the showman light up the sky. So, it, although, I mean, I think you'll probably, I'm, I'm pretty sure you'll agree with me, when you're watching that at the very beginning it's like, okay, in, it's inevitable. It's 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 almost like you're guaranteeing he's gonna be brought down just by the way he's acting and the way we're opening this episode, right?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I thought that uh I thought he would flame out and and I thought it was uh an intentional choice to say light up the sky because he burns out like a phoenix in this episode that that he flew high and fast and headed towards the sun and crashed back to earth quickly ah yes icarus the
0: the legend of icarus comes true for roman oh it works for his name it's perfect yeah because it's right and it, and again as as i spoke about the way they tend pull it it's almost exactly, it's not quite, but it's almost exactly the middle of the episode, the midpoint of the episode where that's when we see that all that pre-grieving, which he actually references once again, uh, clearly never stuck. And Roman falters and fails on an epic scale. He's unable to give the eulogy. He's unable to comprehend that the body of his father is in that casket. He's unable to wrap his head around death itself and what what what's fascinating about this that entire stretch there is um, we've talked before about how a show that many looked at when it first started as oh Succession oh, they're all such horrible, unlikable characters, how do you watch that? and it's like well, you know, you could say that about a lot of the best shows, <laughs> you, know? you know I always go to like Veep as an example and stuff like that But he's another, he's, he's really one of those characters that it almost surprises you when you feel sympathy for him based on the type, the way he tends to treat other people and has been, you know, there's been, there's definitely been moments and references that have been made over the previous three and a half plus seasons, whatever. But this was the one where, I mean, I think only the, the, the more hardened souls weren't feeling something. When we watched him, kind of, from his fumfering up the uh, the pulpit to when he's down there with <clears> them, <throat> yeah, I'm getting a little overwhelmed even remembering it right now, actually, because when he's when he's literally sobbing. And you know, at the, at the, and we realize, oh, it's all come crashing in now. He's had the moment is now, and this is, and again, we've not seen this before in any form. We've we've seen the others have emotional meltdowns to some degree. To some degree, we haven't seen it as much with him. We we've, we've seen him be angry. We've seen him be in denial. This is where it all just it, it hits. I think.
1: Yeah, he he has been a sort of a brick wall the whole show and the when, when it tumbles down you know everything he repressed comes out it came out and i think what really made us feel for him is seeing the depth of emotion that he hides behind sarcasm and and just being a jerk and knowing a lot of that's armor and we see his armor, you know, he's completely disarmed by the time that he gets up there. Uh, and, and I'm, I wondered, I think it probably would have been bad, but, but I wondered if you thought what you and said before, where he sort of told a little bit of, of their story, him and, and Logan's story, that if that made it even worse for Roman, that, that the, the preamble Ewan gives, or would he? Have, do you think he'd have flamed out that spectacularly anyway? Um, that's an
0: excellent question. While I think it's likely he would have flamed out to some degree anyway, the the Ewan eulogy, which will which I'll probably get more into a little bit later, um, absolutely knocks him off kilter because he roman is a man with a plan he had a plan for how this entire day was going to go he's had a plan since the night of him you know when they basically crowned um mencken president essentially on on the network and how and how everything was going to proceed from that point on and when ewan goes into you when ewan reveals those details about his father reveals stories he never heard he clearly none of them had ever known the 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 things that they talk about because the world you know the first story is something clearly known and they never heard the 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 the, sec, the thing referring to the sister is something that they've always hinted at on the show but never revealed before in, in to that degree and i think those things first the humanizing of logan and then the teardown of logan which, which was irref which you can't really refute you know although they certainly were the, the the siblings certainly seemed to want to present the other side as they kept saying and it just i think that through him and let's face it you you know ewan was also very well spoken when he how he went about things and this isn't roman's necessarily his um his thing, as they say, but I, I think the, the, sh- the surprise or shock of that preceding him going up was never expected. The thought was he's just going to go up there and do this and be, you know, be, be the star of the show, so to speak, you know, the show, the, the, the showman that he had spoken about. So, um, now if Ewan doesn't do that, does he go fine? I don't know. I think. I think maybe it might be he starts off fine, but having that casket there, I, I still think something might have happened, but there's no way to know that. But I, I, in fact, but I do agree, I actually have to agree with the point that if, if Ewan doesn't do that, maybe it doesn't happen. Maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I should actually walk that back. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know.
1: Ewan's doing that you doing that guarantees it happens. Though. So, so I, I had the, I have the sense that you uh, and held up a mirror to, to the crowd of Logan that I think the kids know in their heart of hearts is true. Um, and with, with Roman idealizing Logan throughout the death process um, and wanting to be triumphant and do all these things. I, I think you're right. It, it, messed up the order, the sequence. I think all the factors had to be perfect for Roman to hit it out of the park. Right. right. And that throws it off to start with, but then to hear the humanizing things and basically the mortal frailties of his dad, uh, you know, and then to have to go up and try to refute that, I, I think just overwhelmed him. And and looking at the casket, and you, you know, I, I and, and a thought I had too is when Ewan got up and spoke, and even when he gets up and they don't want him to, and they try to stop him, you can't stop him. I, I thought, you, you know, there is something in the DNA of that family that even Ewan is a force of nature that that couldn't be stopped. Um and he commanded the room and no one was going to make him stop. And everyone, by the time he was done, everybody was listening. Right. So, I mean, there's something in the, the, you know, those brothers and their story and their DNA that, that, you know, that, that was, was special.
0: So, and to finish my, or to get to the the, the third pillar of my, the, the temple thing I mentioned, when we get to the final moments of the episode, and this is after Ken, has rather bluntly and even in a Logan-esque way, whether you say whether one thinks of it as being intentional or unintentionally but still completely cruel when he lays into Roman about just how he has failed, not in terms of just the eulogy, but perhaps his entire master plan that put Mencken in the Oval Office because the guarantee of tanking the Gojo deal, etc., that's when roman goes out he goes out into what we can call like the unkind wilderness of new york city with what's going on at this point in time because the streets are now being overrun by like the marchers and the protesters it's a storm that he played not just a massive part in creating you could actually lay the blame at roman's feet quite frankly um and if as kendall said about their father earlier he, um in 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 his eulogizing so to speak you know, if his father could at some point in time or whatever relate to the common person, because because there's something that um, Ken says about, you know, whatever room he was in, he was comfortable, so to speak. Um, so that way he therefore he could find a way to relate to the common person, the poor person, perhaps from their own beginnings, even um, the person that may feel the harsh brunt um, of the different policies and laws that could be enacted by someone like a and someone teetering on the edge of neo-fascism from what we've heard. Roman, however, has shown very little to no ability to relate or understand or really care about such people. And, and he certainly has shown maybe he cares far less about them than even his own siblings. And so when he goes out, he's raging against them. He's raging against the, the not the machine like they are, the masses, like, you know, the the people themselves. And only he goes into the the crowds only to be smacked and pummeled by the masses as they are surging forward. And it, it almost, there's a moment there, it's almost, it reminds me of when, You see people, you know, a criminal who, you know, you know, suicide by cop kind of a thing. You kind of wonder, is he doing this on, does he, is he going out there because he knows he's going to be beaten down? You know, he doesn't act like it, but how, how do you, you you're a rather, you know, diminutive dude, whatever. You know, you're, how do you, how do you not realize you're going to get punched, punched and smacked and probably trampled even? But the way I looked at it, um, I'm sure that even as the episode closes and when we come back to him in the following, and the final episode you know he's certainly probably suffered some bumps and bruises i would be shocked if it's something more than that but i've been wrong about a few things so i could be wrong about that as well the the little weird suicide by cop analogy i wonder if this act is as close as we would get to the equivalent of a potential suicide that we had talked about on a previous podcast you know maybe that that's kind of you know, what fills that blank, so to speak, because it's, it is if nothing else, it's a very clear, reckless disregard for his own life, you know, because of the the emotions and trauma that he's going through at this point in
1: time. Yeah, he, he's spinning out of control. And, and, you know, a thought I had after I watched this episode, too, was at various points this season, all the siblings have had some connection with a a partner, a former partner. Um, And Roman this season without Jerry, like, doesn't really have anyone. It's just him. And we even see Kendall have interactions with Rava. um, And they have something in common. They have their kids. We have Shiv and Tom. Obviously, Connor has Willa. Like Roman doesn't really have anybody. And I thought, as you look at the funeral, there's like a whole row of women there for Logan. If Roman's funeral happened, like who would be there for him? Like, you know, the, the one model he, he dated. And, uh, you know, uh, he, he, it, it's really kind of a sad existence that, that he's in. And he really doesn't have anybody
0: right right i mean yeah that was your reference the woman he he was with that he didn't actually ever have true intimacy with if i recall um which only spoke to how kind of screwed up he is and and has been you know and and maybe even speaks to the supposed deviancy that his father saw in him and and maybe he maybe he even views himself that way as a result right um the closest you got in this episode as far as is referencing jerry um we we did have that moment during um when he breaks down and he's sobbing we we they we we get a, a quick well maybe not that quick i don't know how long it lingers but we do see jerry's reaction to it and it's subtle but you can still i think we still at least read into the reaction that she's at least concerned because you know this, she's human. Even even if there's things that are said and done later, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, but she's not one of those people. It's interesting watching what he's doing before that. There's that moment. Uh, there's a not, I don't know if it's a moment when he's kind of circulating around before the eulogy, and it's interesting how it's he's tr- he's already trying to assert himself, and it's not really going that well. You know, he's kind of sort of rebuffed by Frank. And the rest of them aren't really... He's still in that mode where people don't quite take him seriously. Despite the fact that of the major part he played in, in What Happened with Mink and just uh, the, the other night. Um, Whether these guys even know about that. Who knows? And then when you go to post-Meltdown, I mean, even Frank is nicer about it than Carl is. Who's pretty, very much enjoying it as it's it's already about to go viral. You know, it, it's... The the, the 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 takedown of Roman is pretty complete um and as he does it to himself and it's such a sad moment and now he's an uh, an object of ridicule you see Mencken's face you know and reacting whatever you see everyone you know, is like this this won't just simply go away and you know I'm a bit of a for myself personally I, I sometimes I do believe in karma. And one can help with Roman more so than any other character. There's a bit of a karmic justice here. I mean, even within this episode, not just how he speaks in the very beginning, but think about the car trip. And because at that moment in the car trip, especially when Shiv finally reveals that she's pregnant. And the way he speaks to her and the way he acts, which she does not find, fu- it, there's nothing funny about it. It's, it's like, okay, you, you, you're continuing your tendency to go too far and maybe read, it's kind of like, he doesn't care to read the room. You know, he yeah. like, cause he's entertaining himself, you know, which, which I, which, look. I've been that, I've been that guy. I, remember, I was like that in my twenties. We've seen that with characters in different fictional things where it's like people, oh, you know, as long as they're entertaining themselves, they don't care how they might hurt others. Um, but Roman is really that way. So it's, yeah, it, it, it's, it's kind of a devastating episode for
1: him. It is. And, and his the way he reacts to Shiv and he sort of has one setting and, and that's it. And he, he doesn't really adjust or adapt. He, he's always acerbic and goes too far. Um, but th- what happens to him is so devastating. And I think, you know, sort of the coup de gras is, you know, you see Mattson like gets to gets to tamp on his grave. Uh, pardon the pun, but um, Matson gets to belittle him. Which, after their last interchange, you know, I think most of us would say Roman may have gotten the best of Matson. Then Matson gets the last word.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, that's true. So let's circle back to the funeral now, because you you had already mentioned. Uh, what you had spoken about because if you move beyond you know you know roman ending not with a bang but a whimper <laughs> we have three perspectives <laughs> that are given at the pulpit at the church and what's interesting about them in my view is that they all share a few things in common even if they're still so very different each one acknowledges the monster or the brute that logan was each one is Pretty damn honest, even brutally, haha, honest, in fact. I mean, the one that we all forgot about, and we already talked about it a bit, but the family didn't, because boy Greg was supposed to prevent it from happening. You know, like that would even be possible. You know, again, it's, it's you and it's Logan's brother. Again, let's, let's, you know, give a played perfectly even a bit righteously but perfectly once again by james cromwell this dude's come a long way since the days of him being like stretch cutting him on all in the family that's for the old people
1: <laughs> out
0: there. Yeah, you all thought i was going to reference babe no 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 he was archie's friend now in many ways his speech what we talked about a little bit before it's a perfect composition you get the World War II horrors from a child's perspective. So he's sharing an anecdote likely few, if any, have ever heard before. Their shared experience of something hellish. It establishes um, their bond of, of brothers. And it, like we had said before, it, 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 it that instantly humanizes Logan. He goes further when he talks about Logan's belief of somehow thinking he was responsible for their sister's polio and therefore eventual death. Which shows... Logan, there's at least a side to him that could be impacted by love, that could be racked by guilt, that could be, um, what was the word, tinged at least with regret, um, which is something we don't tend to see with most of his actions as throughout the years of his life, because the rest of what Ewan does, to me, that that's Ewan taking a pickaxe to let's not like imagine like a big statue of logan and like just bringing it crashing down like the statues of dictators and despots that we've seen over the years and he goes on to about how the acts and influences of logan roy were probably even worse than any dictator i just met i was referencing um because it's also how he looked at the world how he burned so much of it and and mocked the rest so it like you were saying already um it's it's something that it it starts one way ends another it's in many ways pretty devastating obviously there's the impact it had on roman but you can see the stricken faces of all the roy children because there is the there's the acknowledgement that you know you can't deny this but still this can't be the only thing that's presented here that that's not what this day is supposed to be um but it's, it's something that we, it's funny when we, we were anticipating this funeral and we knew that someone was going to speak. I have to admit, speaking for myself at least, never occurred to me that you and the brother would speak, even though of course he should. He's his, if someone's going to speak, you, this scene it was, we, we, we talked once about succession being, um, unpredictable. And then, then I realized to a certain degree, it's like, well, Sometimes it's predictable, but we're just not thinking that way. And they present it in a way where it's, it's so good. You think it's like, Oh, wow, that was, that's, it's like, well, it could still be predictable, but good. We should have predicted he was going to speak. We just didn't think of it because we were so focused on, you know, is it going to be Rome and is Kendall going to say some it. It's, it's a really great, powerful moment for someone who's
1: only appeared in a few, a
0: handful of episodes. So I, I was very impressed by it.
1: Yeah. I think, I think what, succession does so well is um, it makes you forget it takes you into this world that's so outside your experience it's this world of ultra rich powerful people that we sort of forget that there are certain rules that apply to everyone Um, and when those rules are applied like hey at a funeral the family speaks and that includes brothers, sisters, you know maybe a mother or father Um, that we're so into the world of the characters that we forget the normal rules that apply to everyone. And so what seems like a surprise is just the filter we've had on watching these characters in their world um, gets jerked back to reality for a second. And it's a little jarring, uh, but in a good way. And and used in a way to make a a wonderful point. And, And I thought... I, I liked even at the end, Ewan said, you know, something to the effect of like, you know, like maybe he didn't do his best or whatever, or, or he could have done better. And he said, you know, maybe I could do better. Like basically says, you know, like what what Logan had in him, we all have in us. Um, but But Logan was extremely effective at making the world a smaller, uglier place.
0: Yeah, it, 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 what's really striking about his speech, um, is more towards the close of it, where it, it, it moves beyond, um, whatever, uh, horrendous impact he had on the world based on, you know, decisions made that, you know, that, that impacted policies and countries and leaders and whatever. It's when he goes on about, um, the meagerness that he saw in people and himself that part is really a much more personal shot at his brother. And it's, it's more in in a way it's more damning than anything he says before that. It's really, it's quite striking. So, again, we see the impact it's having on them and that, you know, after the Roman situation, but it's still, someone needs to give a counterpoint and that ends up being Kendall. Now, the thing with Kendall is like, even as I mentioned, he uses the word brute, he acknowledges the brute and brutal and hard man as dad could be. He instead focuses on the accomplishments, how he built things, buildings, corporations, life itself, he, he points to. Um, it becomes kind of a yet again at least a second if not third time this season in a weird way it becomes a shining moment for Kendall you know it's much the opposite of what his younger brother did it's clear he's much like Roman had intended himself he is now casting himself in his father's image You know, which is just kind of funny. Like, wow, that's what Roman was aiming to do, but it's actually Kendall who does it, who, with a few not so subtle lines in his mostly improvised, uh, speech, he, he kind of has a a somewhat subtle way of making it about himself, but it's very, there's a, there's a very canny, savvy way he does it. And it's like, okay what Kendall shows here is an, is an ability that he doesn't always possess to his, to the best degree, but he did pull it off at the living plus thing. And now he does it again, able to think on his feet and go, whereas, and not be thrown off the way, say his brother was just moments earlier,
1: you know? Oh yeah. He, he he does have the ability to see an opportunity Um, and to seize it. And I think part of what's helped him is what I'll call the George Bush game of expectations in that in previous seasons he has failed and people knew he failed. And so a lot of people lowered their expectations of him. Mm -hmm. And unlike Roman, who they don't even take serious Kendall, there were people who thought he was capable of stuff. Um, and Logan had communicated his belief that Kendall was capable, uh, at some level. And the fact that he lowered those expectations in previous seasons means now when he pulls off something like this, people are surprised by it. They weren't expecting it because he'd failed previously. So it comes off as a glorious triumph, but it does show he has the capacity to do those things, to adjust, and to go up in a room full of, you know, probably some of the most powerful people in the world, and certainly the future president, to seize that opportunity. And again, like in Living Plus, like hit a home run when nobody even knew he was coming up to bat. Right, right. I mean, think about it. I mean, before I move on, I mean, when toward – after
0: all the eulogies are given and they're walking down the aisle – the reactions he gets, and not ju- not just and like reaching over and shaking, then I noticed if you watch it, you know, um, Madsen pats him on the back, yeah, which was yep. like, Oh wow, that that did not it- it's a little thing, it's quick, they don't linger on it at all. But I noticed it for when I and I and I, and I, re-watched again, and I watched it again. I was like, Just I that's I did actually watch this episode more than once, like, like you did with the, the previous one, and I was like, Oh, that's that's really interesting because he's not, you know, Madsen hasn't shown himself to be the most empathetic person, but it's kind of, and I, I was watching us, watching his, they show at least one reaction shot during like, he sees what he's doing. like, and what it tells him, he's formidable. It yeah. tells him that he's formidable. He's, he's someone to be taken seriously. Um, which maybe he didn't as much before, like when they, they met back in, um, Norway, Sweden, wherever it, had, wherever it was, I can't remember right you now. Iceland, you know, one you know, of those. Whatever, 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 at the retreat. okay.
1: You know, when he's walking out, it was very reminiscent to me of like the president leaving the House after a, a good State of the Union speech. Like, yeah, so. you know, walking down the aisle and everybody is shaking hands and, and wanting to be there and, and close to him because he has just contained the room and uh, you know, a, a triumphant moment that really fuels him to, you know, go even further in his dad's footsteps. Right. Absolutely.
0: So th- then we get to the third,
1: the third PLV perspective,
0: so to speak, and that's Shiv. Shiv of the three clearly gives the briefest of takes. Um, honestly, I'll, I'll say when, when she was going to take the stage, I did kind of wonder, wait, is, Connor going to get kind of irked. He was told he couldn't speak, but all three siblings <laughs> at some point did get a shot at the podium. Although I think Connor's concession speech or whatever you want to call that bit of insanity, he blathered on about an at ATN in the previous episode. Maybe Connor shouldn't be allowed near any podiums anytime soon. <laughs> um, But anyway, in the moment, Shiv decides – I, I love the little reference she says that – um Oh, by the way, I like these little comments that happened before or after some of their speeches. The one that we kind of skipped over that I kind of wanted. I love that Ewan gives that whole thing, which is very dramatic and serious and almost cast a little bit of a pall over the whole proceedings because like no one expects someone to go up there and kind of blast the person who's in the casket. But, oh, give a give a shout out to the to Armstrong and the writers, whatever, the little comment that Greg makes to him, like, kind of kind of saying, you know, you know, you know kind of a great takedown or whatever he said. To him. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, Greg. <laughs> anyway, back to Shiv. Uh, she gathers herself, and she shares a childhood memory. Here we go, another, another memory involving childhood. But hers underscores just how terrifying their father could be to them. As well as... She gets into how Logan had his issues with women, which goes directly to how difficult she felt it was to be his daughter. By the way, got us. I'm gonna put things on pause. I'm gonna go on a meat tangent here. How great was that little scene or you know, scenes, whatever, that involved Logan's women? I mentioned it before. You got Marsha's temporary acceptance of Carrie, which was very unexpected, but kind of like. I wouldn't say tear inducing, but kind of, oh. And then you've got, you know, his first wife, we can call Lady Caroline, and her version, quote unquote, of Carrie, um, whose name is Sally Ann. And what turns out, what may very well be the most fun bit of stunt casting in the entire series that I know of, the woman playing Sally Ann, you know, the, the first wife's Carrie, that's Brian Cox's actual wife, Nicole Ansari Cox, <laughs> which is amazing. Now, now it's become a thing. I'm going to give them a shout out. I was alerted to this by friends of me and friends of the podcast. I'm going to call them by their last name in this one. Not going to freak out. The Collins. Um, they had sent me a Huffington Post article um, that acknowledged that. And since I'm mentioning them, and I'm talking about the funeral, and I seem to enjoy—I don't know which I enjoy more. more going on about me being right about something ahead of time or having to admit when i'm wrong about something (laughs) and you know they've known me for a while so they liked i think they they enjoyed finding this article and sending it to me um this was aimed at my misguided belief that we that i discussed in our previous podcast uh (laughs) about the likelihood of Brian Cox appearing in this episode and the thing, the thing I was hanging on the rim about, well, well, but they caught images and photos and video of him, you know, being around the filming of the funeral thing. Well, that was deliberate. <laughs> apparently he he showed up at the filming of this episode and it was actually to throw people off they were originally going to film a fake scene but they just simply just ran out of time but he did make absolutely sure that paparazzi would catch shots of him arriving and that was certainly going to be enough to kind of you know because no one knew it was going to happen at this point in the season they see him showing so if he's showing up at the funeral it can't be his funeral so that was all on purpose it it reminds me of the the Bullshit Dallas would do back in the eighties just to throw off the national inquirer, except now it's kind of the same kind of a thing. (laughs) So I was wrong again. And you know, they, they were the ones to send me the article and made me laugh. I was like, okay, I'm definitely got to mention that on the podcast. You know, whatever you should have seen people fighting with me on Twitter about, you know, I brought up the whole tom's gonna die theory <laughs> and they're all ripping me apart i said i didn't say he's gonna die I just say it's 50 50 <laughs> you know you know maybe he's so tired because he's working and they, they make him boss i don't know he could maybe he ends up on the throne or maybe he dies or maybe he dies on the
1: throne i don't know you know <laughs> throne being the throne the throne
0: being a toilet i don't
1: know anyway he, he did say they did talk about him being tired again in this episode I know. I I do
0: wonder by by the mentioning it that many times. It's almost feels like it's a red. There's a red herring at, at work here. Um, we shall see. Anyway, back to Shiv. Shiv's little scene because she ends it with asserting, and you have to think: Is she trying to convince herself or everyone else that they're okay? And it's again, it's interesting because e- each. Person's turn at the pulpit is moving in a different way and to a different degree. Um, and they all, like I said, they all offer a different facet, a different side, but they also all share the same thing. And it's interesting because the thing that they all share is essentially negative. And that's something you don't generally see <laughs> at a funeral. <laughs> you know unless you're, unless you're burying someone you know in Potter's field you don't usually see that happen. I, I just was very um taken by that
1: yeah and I, I, if you put them all side by side, the thought I had was the only one that really seems to be dealing with his death appropriately is Kendall. um uh, I think Kendall has has at least in the moment, And when he's needed, stepped up and put Logan's death in context. Um, Shiv and Roman clearly haven't. And I think you pose exactly what what Shiv is doing, and that is sort of trying to convince herself because we later see her ask Carl, you know, and Frank, you know, was my dad a good man? And, you know, and they do what any person would in that situation when you see somebody desperate, they clearly, you know, oh, yeah, you know, I mean, he, he was as good as he could be for what he was like, you know, just tr- try to give her a word of comfort, but clearly don't want to answer the question, honestly. Right. It was the,
0: that's, that's where I took our introduction, your introduction from today. They, Frank, I think it's Frank who calls him a salty dog, but, but he was a good egg and Carl kind of yeah. agrees with him. The best part about that, I mean, there's something very kind of weirdly sweet about Shiv asking a yes. question like that. But it's when they, when she walks away, they kind of look at her like, and Frank are like, that was right right Like, mm, yeah <laughs> yeah I, I really thought that was kind of like interesting like okay we're I, we, did we say the right thing do we agree was that really true yeah sure sort of okay um just give me a second here where was i going on da, 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 da. so okay so i'm looking at the episode it's an extra long episode i mean in a lot of ways it kind of felt like we got two episodes that got smashed together um you know, I mean, when you get to the moment, at the, just, bef- just before that, actually, um, when we're still at the church, when people are filing out of the church, and that's when Hugo shares that little piece of information with Kendall about the... Um, the latest ploy that shiv and mattson have cooked up to to win over mencken essentially you know you know especially this is just moments after there's he was sitting next to her in their grief and you know i, I don't remember i think he might have looked like he might have put his hand on her hand on her leg or something you know showing you know, brotherly concern and whatnot um And, you know, and this is right after, you know, Kendall, as I was just saying, he was feeling that, there was that moment of victory where, you know, he's being clapped on the back by different people, where it wasn't simply that, you know, no, sorry about your dad. It was also, they were impressed with what he just did. Because what he did, you know, when his brother melted down and he just did an impromptu eulogy, you know, I I know a little bit about something about giving an impromptu speech, (laughs) I think, but that was a wedding, not a funeral so it's a much more dire circumstance but when that happens and when he's told that and the look on his face where he's kind of like you know, slightly stunned just kind of like taking it in and it kind of undercuts everything we just saw that's a spot, normal circumstances boom, that's the end of the episode credits start to roll but then you realize, oh wait you know, you're watching on you're watching on HBO Max or Max, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> next next year this could be called Mah, and then or or maybe X, <laughs> but you know, then you know Pornhub. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> and you, you pause it with like, oh wait, there's like another twenty minutes. What the hell? Because there's two more significant components to the episode. We've got the actual interment of Logan Roy and then the gathering that happens afterwards. Two other major set pieces. Um, the second one where everyone's trying to curry favor with the presumptive present elect. So, Brian, I'm thinking, and again, we can, throughout, we can bounce back to things that we skipped over. I don't expect us to go over every minute of the goddamn episode, but if there's things, I know there's things that we kind of just like bounced around because, you know, we're doing that. I want to hit the cemetery and with everything that happened there because the cemetery scene a lot of that there is I like the fact there's a significant amount of little sprinklings of humor there which we don't and and you know almost like a release of the tension and pressure from that it happened at the church and it's also what they say and how they say it and where they say it is very telling so I, if you want I, I don't mind seating I don't mind seating the pulpit to you for a moment if you if you have any observations about it. Otherwise, I'll just I'll just I'll just do a rat a tat tat <laughs> through it myself.
1: No, I I like the uh, I like sort of them reminiscing about their dad and but sort of laughing at the absurdity of this structure. Yes, um, and how you know ridiculously big it was and and you know the the joke like that basically bought it from what was it like like dogfood.com or something the the person who owned dogfood.com or yeah some it, pet it, food it,
0: it, 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 it was like a pet it was an internet pet thing so then she uses a line like uh something, something like cat food amaday um
1: <laughs> yes, yes. It's like,
0: I just yeah. they got in a reference to it anyway.
1: Yeah, I I, I love that. Um, I, I like the little
0: thing, like, you know, $5 million. Oh, Good deal. Because hmm. well, he said it seriously. That's oh, a good deal.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, know, like
0: it's, a hard, it, it's a it's a residence. It's a tax right.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, and I have to give a shout out. I don't remember the person that posted the article, but I saw the article that mentioned that $5 million is a callback to what Greg uh, would have gotten from Ewan. Um, and, and that, that was back when, you know, he was trying to consider whether to go with them or stay with Ewan. And there was some talk about $5 million. And at that time, the kids, that was the scene where they said, Oh, I'd rather be poor than have 5 million because 5 million is just, you know, it's terrible. Um, (laughs) that's right. You know, so that that, that was a, a callback to that specific amount. Uh, so I, I saw that. I thought it was interesting. But um, I like that Kendall hears from Hugo what happens. They go there and he doesn't play his hand. And there is this sort of humor. There's this sort of, uh, you know, everybody processing it. And then they walk inside and it's funny, like you can tell none of them want to be, none of them want to be buried there. And there's all the. Well, except for Connor. Connor except for Connor. Top yeah. bunk. Top bunk. Yeah. <laughs> but what I love about
0: that moment, the when the idea, broach about the idea of any of them being interred there as well. Kendall makes a joke about he could he couldn't even share a glass of scotch with the man or something like that. Yeah, but it's what Roman, who no, we notice, does not enter. He stays yes. at the doorway, you know, which is very telling. And we always talk about it's the briefer, the the shorter lines that seem to have the most power there's a line that marcia has shortly thereafter which i think qualifies for that as well but i think it's what roman says which is very it's a very interesting line i, I didn't write it down but i think i remember it i think he said something like he he made me breathe funny do you remember yeah. that That and i just took what i thought that to mean because we know about how he how he treated him at one point in his life you know there was abuse supposedly we just saw him sobbing and squealing like you know the way he was whatever so you can imagine there's we he's referring to a, a form of you know being a fear a, a form of hyperventilating whatever it was you know just or just made him just like the nerves and tension he felt around his father as a child and the way he would phrase it, like he made me breathe funny kind of like that that to me that was that that's some of the lines that made me kind of go oh man as bad as i felt about him what happened at the church that was just another just one more thing so like i said it's interesting in the scene that each little line seems to be humor but then the humor starts to ebb away until we get to his line which is like there's nothing really funny about what 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 roman says there um yeah but it's, it's a great little sequence
1: you know it's interesting that makes me think um Of comparing Shiv to Ewan, that Ewan told about her and Logan and how their life, you know, how things came about as kids. And you play that out into Logan's life, and it gives you some context and meaning for why Logan was the way he was. Um, But Shiv talking about them hanging around outside his office for his attention. Uh And the one thing they were afraid of is, you know, if if they got too loud or something happened, he would come out and storm out and terrify them. Right. That that that's sort of there, you, you know, crossing the Atlantic in a, in a passenger ship with no engine that that, you know, I mean, what what do we talk about? Like all of them just want his attention and love. And they were so desperate for it. They sat outside his office door and played just to try to get him to shine. I think Roman said one time, or I don't remember if it was Roman or or Kendall, said like when he shines his light on you. Maybe it was Shiv that said that. It was, it was Shiv, Shiv, wasn't it? It was Shiv. Yeah, it said like like there's something about when he shines his light on you, you feel like the most important person in the world.
0: Yeah, it was just and, the light was so warm.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that... But you see the trauma he impacted on each of them In that moment, but it's, it's dealt with in, in a comic way in those little ways. But like you said, Kendall and Shiv are more joking, you know, Roman throws that out, but he's still not okay. No, he's, he's absolutely, it's only going to get
0: worse as we mentioned earlier. so, So, we don't have to mention it again. Um, the the other noteworthy were, were thing beyond because we already mentioned the so the obviously they sit there through the little procession and we had the moment between Shiv and Frank and Carl and we also have that moment with um Kendall talking to Hugo about you know you know okay now he's got to put a plan into action I I kind of enjoy the way he talks to Hugo because it it harkens back to when he kind of. You know, got the goods on him with that whole uh, phone call thing he had overheard, but, but I love it like you know, you know, you know, and he does this throughout the episode he's like you know, come work with me. He, he's becoming, he's he's again assuming his father's position. You know, he, when he when he talks to the, the the guy he used to be, the Colin, the security person later on, which we'll talk about, which is kind of interesting the way he goes about it. But here with Hugo, <laughs> you know, you know, he makes it clear no, we won't be collaborating. You're going to be my dog. <laughs> But you're just gonna get the scraps, but the scraps will be millions. And I love Hugo just no pride, you know, you know, woof woof. And again, yeah. it's it's millions. And we just talked about you just brought up the fact that they they had said in another episode, you know, well i I'd rather be poor than just have five million. Yeah. So it shows how what kind of levels we're dealing with here.
1: Yeah, and and there's something really uh charming about the uh the the sort of uh trollery of Hugo, you know, that that he's almost like Dr. Frankenstein's helper. He's almost like an Igor uh this season. And he he's gonna be Kendall's Frank or Carl if if Kendall ascends in in a weird way. Or maybe he'll be like, you know, Kendall's Michael Cohen to use a uh Contemporary example, but yeah,
0: that would make sense because I, I think Kendall would hope my feeling is if it if, in, in, in a perfect world for Kendall, he keeps Frank, but he try to get rid. I think he would want to get rid of Carl. Absolutely. That's the way Carl's, By the way, um, am I not mistaken that we when 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 um, when Kendall lays into Roman later on, I'll just mention it right now because it just popped into my head. He's kind of quoting Carl's analogy about, you know, dicks in hands and such. And we're like, yeah. wow, you're, you're, you're riffing on what Carl said. It's like, all right, not the most original. I don't know, <laughs> but okay. So let, let's get to that, that, that whole stretch of scenes. Cause it's, it's all at the gathering later on. This is when everyone's trying to win favor with Mencken. Cause this is all basically setting the stage for the battle that's going to, that's been brewing since the start of the season, which is. Shiv versus Kendall um, but before that we also get and, and, and in the midst of all this we also get you know that scene that we talked about another scene between Shiv and the always tired because you know we think he's going to have a heart attack or end up in a coma, Tom but it's the scene with Mencken is fascinating because it's what Severance does so well it veers from serious to ludicrous <laughs> in like 0 to 60 because you know Kendall starts off. He's trying to do his thing. He's trying to talk man to man to the the guy who's about to be, who's about to be crown president of the United States. And then much to his annoyance, he's practically lumped in with the idiocy of his cousin and his older brother who are completely stepping on his face to face time with Mencken. You know, keeping in mind, this is a guy whose, whose time is clearly going to be both rare and fleeting to be able to talk to anybody because he's about to. At least as far as this episode is concerned, he's about to be president. Um So I, I thought that was amazing. And then in comparison, you get the extraction team of one, Shiv, who along with Matson, they come off in their conversation being far more level-headed and far less desperate. They're not awkwardly trying to call in a favor with no leverage, which is what Kendall's really p- problem is right now. They're simply trying to make sense in a way that would appeal to someone like Mencken, even while being aware and acknowledging their differences, but the at the end of the day, you know, you can there is a way to compromise here that you know both can walk away from it feeling okay about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, and I uh, the the menace in Mencken uh, at this point. I, I mean, it's no surprise this guy would welch on a deal and and be a scumbag, but the the sort of the evil he portrays. by – this is where I think you made the joke earlier. He calls uh, he calls Roman the 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 grim weeper. Yep, and talks about his tiny tears.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, they're, they're I, Kendall's playing an interesting game. Um, and I think a point I'd like to go back to, too, is when he talks to Colin, you know, I wonder, I think the car crash is in his head.
0: Oh, it, it, it's not just that the car crashes in his head when it comes to Colin. There have been there and it was around that time. And afterwards, there were scenes with Colin where Colin clearly disrespected him.
1: Well, I, I mean, Kendall, at one point, I remember Colin said menacingly and, you know, another one of those short bits of dialogue that mean a lot is what at one point when there was something going on, Colin looked at Kendall and said, I know you. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. wh- You know, which which told a lot. But, you know, Kendall does mention to Colin that he knows he's been seeing a shrink.
0: Oh, he, he makes a big show about it. Really? Yeah. He, because he makes like it's not. It's almost like everybody. everybody, We're all talking about it. We all know he, he is. He is what Kendall is doing. Again, it's. I gotta say, are is he doing things that I wouldn't think Logan would do? Of course not. I think it's exactly it's it's Logan playbook stuff. He. He's offering he, he's on one hand, he's offering a lifeline to someone while he's still tearing them down because he's making them feel that much smaller and or make himself feel bigger as a result of it. Because where else are you going to go?
1: Well, it and it's the implicit threat. Like, I'm tearing you down. Here's your lifeline. If you don't go with me, you're going to drown. Right, and, right, uh, you know, I read a, an interesting recap, just, you know, uh, and one person posed the idea that if Kendall makes the complete turn and say he's the victor that really what the funeral was was the funeral for his soul that what we like that's good about him that he'll suppress all that in the final episode and and we'll know that in that moment where he saw the opportunity uh he took it and and gave up the things that we've clung to that that we find likable about him Uh, And and I think that's very possible based on the way that this episode ends. Uh, Now, as we've talked about before, this show surprises us. It wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't win, but but they seem to be pointing hard that he's going to. Uh, But what is winning if you've got to carry water for a Minkin? You know, you have no friends, no family. Uh, And I think, you know, the scene where somewhere in this episode i mean i was absolutely horrified at at how he acted with rava and the kids yeah Er, yeah early in the
0: episode before when she's taking them like upstate or something and not taking them to a funeral not that i always think it's not that many people people often don't like taking children to funerals anyway but but just but it's 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 lifting off from the previous episode about all the havoc and what's been going on in the streets and she's she's not wrong but um it's it it's a it's a mildly disquieting scene at the very least. um he doesn't take it to the extremes that he threatens to at that moment. He doesn't actually stay stand in the way of the car or lie in the street or anything, but he is going a little bit over the edge in the fact that he wants to that makes him want to pursue custody as he says to his assistant Jess uh, a little bit later and then there's that whole scene with his with, with Jess the assistant, and it's fascinating because. He notes the thing in his calendar that oh there's I have a meeting with you on like next Monday or Tuesday. So like, what's this about? And she obviously she knows what it's about. She, and she keeps trying to you know, you know, deter him from talking about. It. Like no, we, we'll talk about you know because what date it is? And he insists on her explaining what it is. And of course, what it is that she's going to be you know giving in her notice and because obviously she doesn't want to be f- be really connected to this whole Mencken situation because if if he represents what we've been led to believe he is, um perhaps and correct me if I'm pretty sure Jess is a woman of color, you know, probably not someone who would be on board with someone who supposedly, you know, has far right wing fascist leanings as they've conveyed on this show. Um, and then he erupts at
1: her. I mean, he pulls a logan I mean it's it's Logan yeah like hey, hey tell me tell me answer this question and if you don't answer the question he berates you for not answering it but if you answer it and he doesn't like your answer he berates you for that and how
0: dare you bring this up? how dare you tell me this on this day of old days when you're right me yeah i, I, I the, the, it's almost it's it the, the little the structure of that moment is just like so wow uh it, it's yeah, that doesn't make you very likable, dude. No. Um, so we, we also, I, I, I referenced it, but I wanted to go back to it a little bit here. Um, because I think we felt after, especially after the scene in, in the America Decides episode, we probably thought there wasn't going to be a possibility of there being any form of compassion whatsoever in any future scene between Tom and Shiv. So again, wrong. Um, and the fact that in that scene between the two of them, which starts off with, I love the thing where she's she defiantly is drinking the champagne, and we all know what that means. And and actually like, and the way she does it is like, yeah, that's right. I'm going to do this. That's right. Yeah, because you know, cause you could, I mean, you could have had a boring line where she would have said, you know, you can have the occasional, and it'll be fine. No, that 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 that's not good writing. What she what they do here, just the look on her face is like, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. But him breaking down, and he, you know, not to the extent of Roman, but he does actually start to sob, you know? Maybe it's not clear to everyone else there, like Roman at the church, but it's like going, oh, my God. Has this dude really not gotten any sleep? Because he's losing it, whatever. And you see there is still some... She, at least there's a there's still humanity there. She has not lost her soul as of yet, you know, and she offers him, you know. To access to their apartment. I love him making it come. Like everyone at the hotel knows him, and he hates it because it, yeah, his his pictures be gone everywhere. And now we know who people if they see him. Like oh, that's the guy who helped make Mencken present. You know, is, is the way you know. And he's and in New York City. You're you're going to be public enemy number one. You know, for something like that. So I, I really kind of enjoyed that whole thing. And yes. The, in My thought man was like, oh, no, what if he dies in his sleep? And then if, I don't know. I don't know if I'll just be disappointed in that or I'll be annoyed that Brian actually was right about that. <laughs>
1: well, I, I, what I like about it is, again, it's one of those subtle turns that we've talked about that you expect there to be no warmth between them at all after what happened. And there is. Uh, and it it makes us care about her and him and even if maybe they shouldn't be together um there is a chemistry that we like between the two of them not being awful to each other
0: right. oh i love the moment that that her her, her when her mother in between them <laughs> but all the stuff with her mother like react again when earlier in the episode when her mother kind of figures out that she's pregnant and again It's not said, but it's brilliant because it's not said. It's like, wait, yeah? Yes? Yeah. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. And and then the whole awkward congratulations. Even though none of them act like it's awkward, which is really fascinating, actually. And I think Tom drops a line which is like really like, whoa, that's really kind of, you know, wow. Like What is it he says? He says something... I can't remember. God damn it. it! It's I should have written it down. He he basically he has a line which is basically reacting to the overall situation, which is basically saying, "Yeah, it's pretty fucked up that now she's pregnant." Right when we're basically we're Splitsville, and so was what what the fuck can you do? <laughs> That's not what he says. Obviously, he actually comes up with something. Else. I
1: don't remember the specific line, I but don't. I know what you're, I remember what you're talking about, and uh, you know I. I I'm as curious as to what happens to them and the child as to what happens with, with Kendall, uh, because they've really, they've really done a, an interesting job of bouncing them off each other this season.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: I'm, I honestly, I'm kind of curious about
0: the, where every character goes on this show, you know, that's not, it's one of the things I really like about this, even compared to some of my all time favorite shows. Like, you know, like, mad, I've, I've said many times in the past, like, Mad Men is like my number two or three favorite show of all time. But when I was Mad Men was getting towards the end, I wasn't concerned about every single character that was on the show as much as right. I was about a few specific ones. I mean, I was kind of interested, but not that. I was like, okay, blah, blah. This one, I'm very curious about several characters and where they end up. By the way, I don't know where I read it or heard it. I don't, I don't know if it was, I don't think it was in one of those tail end things on HBO Max or Max. Again, I keep forgetting it's on HBO Max. Can't call it that anymore. Or if it was something I read or heard somewhere else. And it kind of goes back to being me, uh, making the wrong call about Logan showing up. And I can't remember where I read this or heard it. Maybe you heard it. So, something that they've never done on the show. I didn't realize that. And we've got only one episode to go, and I don't think they'll change it now. There's never been a flashback on the show. They've never. Which, think about that. They've never. And the article was like they. It won't it wouldn't make sense to have Because I think it was about Logan showing up in the episode. I think maybe I read that somewhere and talking about it being it's like, but they've never done a they've they've specifically never done a flashback on the show. So it would be weird to suddenly do one now. And I went, Wait, there's never been a flashback? And I kept thinking about it. I was like Oh shit, I don't think there has ever been a flashback on the show. We've never we've never seen Oh here here they are, you know, like 10 years earlier, or when they were, you know, the, the, the credit sequence, which we've had the, de- there are many debate whether it's actually them or not. They're, so, I mean, I, I know they're presenting in the ads like it's them. I still say, eh, it's it stand ins for them. I don't really, because they're not the same kids in all the little clips, whatever. <laughs> it's like, wow. <laughs> but, um, just from a storytelling point of view, that's, I found that to be very interesting because, most shows that we've we've watched at some point do resort to a flashback. Now, in in terms of screenwriting, so there are those who say, and I'm going back to my old screenwriting classes now. Um, there are some writers who don't like flashbacks. They think flashbacks are lazy. That it's like uh, if you can't tell if you can't tell your story in present time, that means there's a problem with your story that you have to go back and tell something from the past that you can't. And again, and my reaction to that, really? Because there's this little movie called Casablanca, which has a great extended flashback right in the middle of it. Kind of a good movie. And wait, you know what? Citizen Kane. The entire movie is is comprised of flashbacks. So basically, two of the three greatest movies of all time. And I was like, but was like, ah, shut up, Scott. What do you know? It's like I know a lot. Anyway, but um I thought it was not a, to just, mention Godfather too. Yeah, there you go. See, th- 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 three of the top four or five. Anyway, Joe, wait, no. Remember when Jaws is like just a little teeny tiny fish? Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> he's a guppy. Uh, um, but I just thought it was interesting. I was like, wow, that's, that's interesting. And then I was, because, and I think we just didn't think about it that way because the whole thing when, you know, an episode or two, whatever it is after Logan's death, When we've been watching him film the, the filming of the commercial. Well, that's not a flashback. They're watching video footage. And it's like, that's how they got away with having a quote-unquote Logan flashback without it being a Logan flashback. It was literally watching a video that he had recorded, you know, whatever time before. So the only, if they stick to that rule, therefore the only way Logan should show up, if if you're going to give Cox another minute on the show, is if there's some other pre-recorded thing somewhere. And I kind of think they wouldn't do that because we've already had one. So I guess oh another check mark and Scott was wrong for this podcast. I now don't think he's going to show up again. Watch him show watch me do a flashback.
1: I, I don't either and <laughs> and we're almost done so I, I, if if you're almost done there's a question I want to ask you. Um the only thing i the only the only other thing i wanted to say
0: because we were, we were already we were just wrapping up the episode we already kind of talked about what happened at the episode of roman earlier I, I i do think it's interesting that when what what kendall is doing is he's really throughout the last 20 minutes of his episode as i said before the way i look at it he's getting his ducks in a row and what he does with roman when i talked about it's kind of it, it, it's 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 quick cutting and mean and it's almost done almost with such disregard like he's 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 apologizing and yet and ripping his brother at the same time he's asserting his dominance like their father did he's do he's really doing that in such a way where it's going to make it easier at least he's thinking he's going to make it easier for his brother to fall in line with him in their upcoming battle against Shiv, and that's how he's—that's what I think he's doing there. And then we see the rest of the episode end with uh, Roman in the streets of New York, which you know, which is a, basically an average night in New York. No, I'm just kidding. Some, <laughs> well, would, some would have you believe it is. It's not that bad here. Every, everyone who says it, ah, well, except for the rats, it's not that bad here. Anyway, come on.
1: <laughs> oh, I, I, th- I think him even referencing, you know, uh, Roman's deviance is definitely invoking their father. Oh yeah. Um, Because Kendall has never really attacked him beyond being stupid in the moment. He's never attacked his other pathos and he, but, but their dad always did. It's again, Kendall calling back to Logan. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that. That again, if,
0: if it's the if it's the fall of Rome, and it's it's at least to some degree the ascension of Kendall, because they kind of switch places by when we go from the end of last episode to the end of this episode, they have essentially kind of switched places. Except um, at the end of the previous episode, we thought the world was at their feet because they thought they had, they had the Mencken deal sewn up, and now we realize, okay, this is going to have to be a battle. It's going it, to it's going to back to the board. <laughs> You know, and, and, and something along those lines, I guess.
1: Right, and Roman basically exiles himself at the, at the end. Yeah, pretty much. So before we go on, I want to ask you a question. Go for it. It was reported this week, Brian Cox said he thought they killed Logan too soon. Uh, and, and I just want to say, before I ask you your opinion, I will state my opinion.
0: Okay.
1: My opinion is he's wrong. And here's why I believe he's wrong. For us to be invested in the battle of these kids, it, he needed out of the way. He was too big a presence. Um, his presence still lingered over the season in the way it, it should have. Uh, but we needed to see all of them without him go on this journey and become the trio, split up, uh, make their moves. I, I think we needed to see their journey without him lingering over it or interfering in it. And I have been happy with the journey they've taken us on with the three of them. And we, we've even referred to them as the trio, um, and how much we liked seeing them all together at the beginning of this season at the funeral, at the things that have occurred. So while I miss him and it would have been great with him. I don't have any complaints, and, and I think that, that saying they killed him too soon may be his opinion, but I don't think, for me, that, that he's right. Um, I can
0: understand why he would say that. I mean, obviously, it's the role of a lifetime, and it would have been more probably more fun for him to be have a further involvement in future episodes and maybe um to look at it that way and one can make the case that maybe you could have gotten away with um having him die maybe a couple episodes later perhaps maybe at the midpoint of the season as opposed to episode three um i'm probably gonna have to i'll I'll put it this way i will slightly more than mildly disagree with mr cox um only because we've nine episodes nine episodes the weakest and by weakest i mean it's you no know, you know a b plus or a minus compared to some of the others of the episodes is prob probably the second episode of the season maybe which i still liked but you know a lot but it it it, it it's the one that's in between the debut of everything, which kind of lays the groundwork for the season and see, and the third episode, which, you know, is just, you know, rocks our world and, and shatters everything by killing Logan. And every episode after that has been, you know, and I've used it, I've used this bad pun joke before. So I apologize for doing it again, has, has been a succession of episodes that have built on one another. And I think in many ways it's gotten, um, Beyond, once past the the third episode of of him dying, which it stands on its own, but then the rest kind of keep building up, building up until we got to this funeral episode, which again, um, it's almost, it's almost too much of an episode, you know, <laughs> you know, but it works. It works in the same way, like, oh, wow, I'm going to use... This is the week I use weird analogies. I used a weird one in the Scott Forgot the 80s podcast that I recorded a couple of days ago. Wait till you hear that one. And now I'm going to use a weird one here, just again, off the top of my head. In some ways, this this episode is like the White Album. <laughs> because I don't think the White Album is the Beatles' best album, right? There are people who do, and it's not. And then I don't know. You pick pick whatever album you want but the White album it's huge cuz it's a double album. I've often said I've and I actually angered some people who are Beatles fans which is funny cuz I'm the biggest Beatle fan I know and it's me. Um it's like you know first of all if you took that and made it into two albums and you did some judicious editing you would have two of the greatest albums of all time. Period. Instead you have what's really it's still a great album but I'm I I'm sorry it's probably for For most Beatle fans I know, if I ask them, give me your top three Beatle albums, it's probably not in their top three. You make those two separate. Now, this episode, I think it's a great episode. Could you have chopped this into, here's a funeral, this episode is mainly about the funeral, and this is the episode about everything else? You could have done that. It was a, you know, there's still some, I'm sure there's stuff on the cutting room floor. I I bet they filmed, you know, an extra 15, 20 minutes of this episode, if not more, if not an extra hour. Um, It's still, I think, one of the best episodes of the season. I don't think it's the best episode of the season. You know? And I, and some of his, cause it's, 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 what's the phrase people use? Over, it's it's almost overstuffed. Yeah. And it was weird because, but I think it's like, okay, it's the penultimate episode. Let's get everything in here. And we need, but we need, We need all the emotion of this. We need to follow this and we need to set the stage in a big way for the final episode, which is what the point of most penultimate episode is supposed to do. Well, I keep saying that word now. Um, so I, I really, I I, I really liked it, but could you have done all this if you kill Logan a few episodes later? I don't think you can. There is no fat in the episodes preceding this. This is, to me, because we keep dealing with episodes that deal with ma- mainly one location. You know, episodes that have a certain, I don't think, there. They're, I've heard people in the past have referred to Succession as a slow show, which makes zero sense. I've heard that about shows over the years, like everything from Mad Men to Sopron, which I can understand that with some of them. I don't agree, but I understand. Succession is a ve- even it's a dialogue driven but it's fast dialogue it's it's whip smart and it cuts here to here to here it is not a slow show and there is i don't think there's any scenes that we've watched in these episodes make you go eh, we didn't need that eh, we didn't need that and it's excellent because unlike a show that we love like a say um a Breaking Bad, for example, which is, I know, a show that everyone that's listening to the podcast is probably a huge fan of, like myself. Um, although there may be the occasional dots of humor here and there, they tend to be few and far between. They tend to be if a character is comical, you know, if, if, you know, back in the day, if Saul Goodman is comical in a scene or if Badger is, you know, and, and there might be, or there might, if, if it's a, a bottle episode, like, you know, f- Four days out between Jesse and, and Walt, there may be some comedy to be driven there, but but generally it's more plot driven and not comedic in that sense. Succession has to take the time to have a considerable amount of humor throughout it. There are there it's rare that there aren't scenes where there isn't at least something to make you laugh. Or smart, which, which I think just trans, makes it transcend a lot of other shows, you know, a lot of other HBO classic shows as well. Um, so they're, they're really working on so many different levels. It, it's what makes, as I've, the more I've watched, the more impressed I've become by it because they're pulling off a lot and they're taking risks. It's a show that, as I said earlier, doesn't, doesn't worry about whether you're going to like these characters because you're going to be so fascinated by them. You're going to be going to get sucked into their world anyway. And you know what, along the way you may end up finding yourself liking characters after all. You may end up finding yourself rooting for characters after all. You may end up changing your mind about characters after all throughout the course of the show. And I think that's what makes it a really
1: exceptional show. Well, I think the most important piece and I'll end with this is that Roman Roman's journey loses a lot of its heft uh, if Logan lives longer than he lives. And you go to Iceland, you go, you know, the scene on the mountaintop with Mattson, um, the, 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 and his ultimate crash. And I think we forget sometimes, I mean, we talked about this a couple episodes ago, that really this whole season has sort of taken place over like, a week, like 10 days, a couple of weeks, because, you know, Logan dies in episode three In episode nine. We're having a funeral. Right. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what I would cut out just to have Logan around for a little bit more. Uh, so I, I especially because one of the big stories this season has been. Like Kieran Culkin really raising his game, like you know, I I don't think what he does and given has been given the space to do works if Logan lives past episode three. Right. Plus,
0: a a character like Logan
1: is his impact and his
0: and everything about him is pervasive throughout the series. So even when he's even with his character having passed away, he's still there. He's still there. Yeah. And, and, and every time you happen to see a picture of him somewhere or a painting or a portrait, it, it just, it brings it home. But his impact is in, if not every scene, every other scene throughout the course of the series. So that's why you can get away with killing off. Oh, by the way, one other little piece of trivia from that uh, same article, I think it was, where he popped up the day where they were shooting the funeral stuff. Um He is not actually on the airplane in that scene that's never that's not brian cox at any moment in that episode that's not so what what you see when you see the, the flash of someone's head or chest or whatever that's not brian cox he's like he was never he was he was never there for any of that shooting
1: so interesting
0: I thought that was kind of interesting because i kept thinking we never actually see his face like i think we see little bits and pieces but i never actually see anything that really tells me that's why i kept wondering when i was watching the episode the first time like wait is that him i was like is it, is it is this like the weirdest fake out of all time? Like no, no, it's supposed to be him, but it's not the actual actor. So there you go. Okie doke. So, with all that said, we've got one other penultimate episode to get to. Um, a a considerably briefer episode. <laughs> so, so it's got that going for it. And much like I wouldn't mind having after we finish recording tonight, it's a nice meal. The penultimate episode of Barry. Um. Barry, much, even more so than Succession, is a risk-taking show, and they've certainly done that this final season where, you know, it's always been a dark show. Um, sometimes really fucking dark. Uh, but I think this episode really works so very nicely because we've already gotten past the quote-unquote polarizing episode from, you know, the, what was it, uh, Tricky Legacies, and we had last week's, which had, you know, some, We, we got to return with some different characters like Fuchs and, and, and Hank and, and Kuzino, of course, and which kind of like restores a little bit of the, the structure that we love about, at the characters of Barry. Um, even if they're all kind of like Succession, not the greatest people. Um, (laughs) this continues that trend following the plot lines that we're, we're fascinated by. Um, it does, in, beautiful Barry sense it does throw in some really delightful little bits of dark black comedy which works so beautifully most of that a lot of that takes place during stuff that's involving (laughs) um Hank and and Fuchs um so I I just want to say the head the four boxes scene is one of my favorite scenes I've seen this year of anything. And the gag, the joke, the look, the, the, when you have the four boxes, which are clearly the, the bottom of each one is clearly saturated blood. And we know what they are. And Hank knows what they are. He's like, he's, he's, that's like, oh, obviously his four. And he starts opening them. It's like, Go ahead. and like, and I look, there's a certain part, I think when he gets to the third one, maybe it's like, why do I keep opening? <laughs> and I couldn't stop I, I was laughing and I said like, oh I'm laughing out loud in an episode of Barry yay that's good <laughs> and then just the ridicule just and again it's the fact that they can one of the things I love about Barry the, the show is you can set up a scene that's f- funny or silly or absurd and you laugh at it but there's something also so creative about the staging of it the entire sequence when they're trying to blow up the house and, and, and the gunmen after the way that's all kind of laid out in front of us is entire and how they, and, and the complication of filming that. And it's so ridiculous, even <laughs> it's funny, but it's also, <laughs> but people are being murdered at the same time. I, I, I did enjoy the fact just, just getting that out of the way right off the bat. Um, There was, there was definitely a return of humor that I, I was thankful to see on the show because yes, I, I do like the dramatic aspects of the show and the whatever, but it's a, I do like a little bit of comedy. I don't want to cry at every scene of Ted Lasso either. I want to actually laugh occasionally. Same with Barry. I don't, I want to be, I don't want to be horrified or depressed by every moment. You know, I, I want to laugh and I like that this episode did that for me on a number of, a number of scenes.
1: Now this, this episode, was reminiscent of early episodes of Barry, and it was lighter. It had it had some heavy stuff interspersed, but I thought it it was lighter as a whole, and just the sort of uh, ineptitude of uh, NoHo Hank and his gang, and the idea that the the, the sort of comic thing that you know I, I'd reflected on, but not really thought deeply about until this episode is that you know early in this show it was joked that fuchs was the raven Mm -hmm. and now he's really become the raven yeah like he like you know (laughs) that that was a joke that he used to you know to pump himself up and now he really is that person
0: all right everything from what we see him do and act throughout this episode oh by the way the scene where he's he and his men are talking to his new lady and her. Da- I guess it's her daughter. <laughs> and this is relating to the atrocities that they
1: <laughs> had witnessed earlier, where they killed the foo bucks. <laughs> yeah, the- <laughs> F- foo bar with a K. Yeah, but,
0: but but later on with the scene with Cousineau being confronted by all the different, um, by by Jim and his son and the feds and whatever, and it's what you're saying about they bring up the Raven thing and Cousineau's the only one who knows like. He's not even real. It's like, no, yeah, well, yes, he is. Like, it's <laughs> like, oh my God. It, it's, it's kind of this whole unintentional. It's, 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 it, in many ways, it's almost a, an unintentional framing of Goose now, even though, well, yes, he did get that money and he did obviously spend some of it, but it's, he's being painted in this light where like, oh, he's a co-conspirator to, to kill his daughter. You know, that's how he's being viewed by, by Jim, whatever. Um, Jim, who's supposed to be so savvy, yet I kept thinking, Wait, you just left him? You don't think he might figure out a way. There's, there's something that you, you can't see how he might get out of that? that. that I'll let it go because we have to move on, but the, the episode has to get somewhere. Barry has to get out of there somehow. But I kept thinking, huh, oh, really? He, that, was that, he, he was that Jim seems like such a smart guy in the way he goes about things. you know
1: that's that seems- Le- leaving the knife on the table bothered me because if there's one thing in this show. But because of the comedy, everybody's kind of a boob. Yeah. But G- Jim Moss is portrayed as sort of like the one competent person in this world. Right. Right. Exactly.
0: That, that was a little – again, it's it, it's something – they they, they got to put that in there because we have to find a way to get out of there. Although Barry passing out of the kitchen from – is it is it just from the blood loss of his hand or is he just really tired or, is it, <laughs> or was there a drug involved because he's i can't imagine everything was just based on just a virtual reality thing i mean did he put something in him at all, all very and i love that we got again hater was able to get away with having some weird surreal moments but now there's more of an explanation like well he's wearing these virtual reality things so things could be weird and strange like seeing his son standing there and and images kind of overlapping one another speaking of surreal and weird I didn't and I have to admit because I watched it again just before we started recording Um, I didn't remember this when I watched it the first time I just maybe I was tired and I just my eyes didn't register I didn't notice it did you notice the thing with the cop when Sally
1: is talking to the cop? His eye, yeah, that it's bleeding like he'd been shot in the eye. Okay, so what?
0: How do you view? How did? It, how would you? How do you view that? I mean, I get. I mean, now. I mean, I think there can only be one way it can be viewed. But I wanted to hear what you had to say about it because I, I literally didn't notice that the first time. I don't know how I missed it, but I noticed it, you know, an hour and a half ago.
1: i think that sally is so traumatized that that it's like some sort of ptsd flashback or something yeah and it's what she's seeing isn't real it's real to her but it's it's some sort of trauma i think it's a quick question because i don't remember the circumstances
0: of it so maybe i maybe it's connected to this when or before the eight years later thing when there's that episode where she and barry are being attacked by that guy who's pursuing him and she's the one who ends up i think does she like stab him or something is it something that happens to the guy's eye because i'm thinking maybe what sh- what happened to him kind of is mirrored by the cop's eyes i don't remember you,
1: you know i don't recall but i would say that's a pretty good guess Okay, so I don't know if that's what it was. So, I, if I'm
0: totally off on that, I, I know she does something to the guy that you know, he, and he steps back. I keep thinking that might be it. I just, again, I just occurred to me. So, hey, if it, I'll check, I'm, I'll find that after we record. If it turns out I was right, well, yay! Maybe, and if
1: it wasn't, maybe, oh well, it's just a wacky moment. <laughs> maybe, maybe the Collins will send you an article. <laughs> <laughs> Oh,
0: they, you know what? They're paying better attention than I am. You know, I, I might, I might, I might have to let them take over the pod. <laughs> you know what? They probably do it in a much shorter time than I do. That's for sure. Um, so what else we got in this episode? So we've got, um, well, Barry's been captured by, by Moss. And we just kind of went through some of that. And it, it was, I, I like, Hater is like little whispery squealing, and we, but we hear, um, Moss talking to him at the same time. I will confess, I did not remember the 250,000 thing. I totally did not remember that. I, in fact, I'll be even more honest. I still don't remember it. They talk about it, they show it in the, that book that Jim, that Moss has, whatever, and I'm like going, Maybe I should have rewatched another episode or two of Barry. I don't, I just do not remember this. So I, I, I do apologize. This is what we get for only podcasting about a show in its final season, not all the previous ones. <laughs> Cause you know, I didn't commit it to memory. I apologize, but I didn't remember that. But I gotta say, I love the idea of this, the guy pretending to be an Asian from UTA. And I love him first hooking with the Daniel Day Lewis thing. He's like, he's going to come out of retirement to play a part. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> How does that not appeal to this man's ego more than anything in the world possibly could? But then when they go further, and the idea of it being Mark Wahlberg as Barry, and I thought, whether you're a Wahlberg fan or not, it works whether you're a fan of Wahlberg or not. I was I was stunned by that, because I'm like, that is so ridiculous, yet such a Perfect choice, especially when you think about, you know, how Barry presented himself as an actor in the first place, and then the kind of person or character he is. It's like, oh my God, that's, that's totally Wahlberg. You know, we can, we do want to go that, that slightly stiff woodenness of, especially when you think about Wahlberg's earlier movies, which he's actually good in, but that was also part of how he plays his, his roles. And, and then just the, the, the contrast of having someone like Mark Wahlberg. And Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess it could work. It's, it's so over the top. I love it. And I, I'll give them credit because I'm watching. Like, And there's that moment I actually think, oh, wait, did they actually get Mark Wahlberg? And then it turns out, obviously, it's just a big scam. Well, well, and I, I should have saw say, that coming. But I was like,
1: I, I could. Uh, no, no. I thought no, it was no. going to be D- him. Don't, don't Don't discount yourself. Because as that happened, what went through my head was, This is a network that had a Mark Wahlberg show. That's right. You know, Wahlberg has done HBO. Mm -hmm. And so when that said, my thoughts raced through all that. And I thought, holy crap, they picked an actor that you reasonably suspended your disbelief and thought like when they turn the corner, Mark Wahlberg might be there. Right. Like, you know, so I agree with you. That that was a perfect choice to set the hook in Gene. It and rewatching it, it's when the agent
0: stops before they enter and he talks about how Mark doesn't like nervous people. That's I said that was the scene. That was the moment that totally sold it for me. Like, oh shit, it's Mark Wahlberg. Like, I love it because one of the best, you know, half hour comedy, whatever you want to call it, series is now about to reference what. I actually think is one of the worst. <laughs> Our HBO comedy series. I am not a. I did watch a lot of it. I don't remember if I watched. I probably, yeah, probably maybe I watched all of it. I hate watched Entourage. I hate watched it the whole time. Oof, like, oof hated all those characters. Um So yeah. So don't worry, Gene. You got tricked. <laughs> I know I no did way. too. <laughs> and I got, and it was interesting because we were talking about I don't know how I feel about Gene Cousineau uh, at this point. But there was that moment I was like going, "Oh shit! I don't know if I want him to get railroaded." He didn't actually. He actually was horrified and stricken and, and mourning the loss of his girlfriend. I mean, he is the one who pretty much made, you know, made it so that Barry would get, you know, captured in the first place. And now it's like, wow, this is it's a, it's a, just an unintentional. And of course, now his son being totally fine, which again. Wrong about that too, Scott. Uh, <laughs> I know that we already established on the previous episode. But it was just a reminder. Oh yeah, that dude's still alive too. God damn it.
1: Yeah, but it's like an in- intervention. But they're all confronting him, and and you know, yeah, you have this. I, I, in a weird way, talking about what you're saying, I had the thought when that all happened that Gene has done a lot of stuff I don't agree with and don't like but he doesn't deserve that. And, and I'll be curious to see how they resolve it because, um, I, I don't think it's right that Fuchs pays his debt. He, if Gene has to pay a debt, all these other people have suffered. If Barry gets away, scot free, there's something about that that bothers me a little bit. Now, I mean, you can argue that he's had to live in exile and all that, but but to have everyone else impacted by everything he's done and to not pay some price, um, I, I I don't see it, and I almost wonder, based on what you said earlier, I almost wonder, you know, if the only person to take Barry down is Sally. Um, but but who who knows?
0: um if, if someone's gonna be responsible for the takedown of barry of the remaining characters i would put her number one on the list
1: yeah um, me too
0: absolutely um i could just see that happening it's i i've made this comment before i don't know if i made it on the pod. i think i made it on the podcast i know i've made it in in real life um i i'm trying i'm probably forgetting something i'm sure i am i'm trying to think of the last time i watched A com, a series, which is ostensibly a comedy series, you know, with obviously very serious and dark and whatever, but still at the end of the day, comedy series, where you would legitimately have a question of, you know, much like we do about dramatic series, everything from The Shield to Sopranos to Breaking Bad and so on and so forth, or even Lost for that matter, where we we can actively go, I wonder if they're going to kill so and so. Right. This is a show where I feel, you feel, oh, is it possible that, that Barry could die in the final episode? absolutely is it possible anyone else could die? there's at le, there's at least two or three others that can could could know how hanked uh, by the way how the hell did hank survive i thought that i thought that we ended that moment we seen from away. i thought they were shooting him they were killing him because fuchs was just laughing at it It's like you're dead whatever and somehow he got out of it i we just skipped over that part. I mean, I was glad because he's he's really he's, – he's kind of stealing every moment he's not, he's in these last couple episodes. But I kept going, but wait a minute. How the hell did he survive? He's like a
1: kid. He calls Tom out.
0: Yes. And I also love the new plan. Give, it's the gift fukes for he fucking wants.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs>
0: By the way, this is the most power Fuchs has ever had since probably the very beginning of the series. So it's wow, I have tables have turned for that dude. It's amazing. Um, so yeah, um, I definitely enjoyed the episode. I thought they did a nice job of kind of setting up the finale, um, the menace of. The, the back of Barry's head is kind of nicely composed. If anything, I guess. Um, I like. I even like the little thing about having you know the that sports talk stuff that the TV that was on the whole time. That's all we hear over the final credits. Which and of course the next on Barry is just the woman he bought the guns from playing Sudoku. <laughs> which means someone's going to go in there and find that three blood guns. Okay. Thanks. So basically, again, meaningless thing. Didn't need that. Whatever that way to go. You bastards. I wonder if the final episode is going to be a bit longer. So I'm curious about that. I would think it would be, I'd be shocked for it. Was. But then again, we also have the final episode succession, which will air the same damn night. I would think that's going to be longer too.
1: I, I would be shocked if we're not watching after 11 PM next Sunday yeah between the two of them i would be i would be
0: shocked as well i, I kind of feel um if anything six if, if this episode we just watched of barry was an hour and 15 minutes at least time slot wise because barry didn't come on till ten sixteen. um i, I remember i had to write that down i was posting threads about it um i would think the although it, you never know again You know what? We can add to the list of things I'll I'll be wrong about. (laughs) Maybe I'll be wrong about this one, too. I suspect it would be just a tad bit longer. Like, not 90, but it might be like 80. I could see it being an 80-minute episode or something like that, you know. And then, you know, you give a minute, you know, boom, boom, boom. Then Barry starts. And I could also see that maybe being an hour. But it could be in the 40 something minute range. So I, I, I kind of think, yeah, I do think it'll just, it'll just sneak us just past 11. You know, you know, I, I, I'd be, I don't, I would be shocked if Barry's like an hour long episode. I would. I would dig it. it. It it will mean that our podcast will probably be
1: eighteen hours, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> why change now? <laughs> well, let me say my final thoughts on the podcast since we're wrapping up. Okay, here's here's one final prediction that I feel pretty strongly about. I think the last shot of of succession is going to be the back of Kindle sitting at (laughs) at the head of the table, (laughs) like they end the credits on the back of Logan. Oh oh my God. If Kendall wins, if Kendall is the successor, he'll be in that seat. And that, that will be, that will be the last shot of the show. If Kendall (laughs) wins. So.
0: That's, that's, Kind of a prediction, but hedging kind of a prediction. No, know. no, no,
1: no. I mean, that I, I, I'm. If I could bet, if I could go on Fanduel and bet that, that would be my bet.
0: Okay. Um. <laughs> what was the show that we watched that they actually made? Oh, I know what it is. It's a show that I watched. I don't remember if you watched uh, the Good Fight. That's right. Where they at the very last episode, they actually tied in. Uh, events in the episode to the the opening credits which i personally don't care for
1: that everything blowing up yeah
0: everything blowing up which is what happens in the episode and and it was done in a way like oh it's the opening credits you know um but but saying that i'm sorry i I don't think it's a bad idea but it made me laugh when i think about people kind of like connect the opening credits to the way a show is going to end because what does my brain go to oh and I, met, I ever wow! I'm going to repeat it twice in the same uh, season on the podcast. Oh, kind of like the the it's Don Draper falling out of a window. That's how they're going to break He's going to jump. <laughs> he's going to jump. Of course, look, look, because there's ads, so it's you know whatever. But but then then he's going to come back from the dead, and then and just sit there and smoke a cigarette anyway. Um, <laughs> I, I I I'm I'm leery <laughs> about making predictions. Um, I think some of the things that I've heard theories out there, which I find fascinating. That a show like Succession has theories, but indeed it does. Um, but there are, so I, I I hope the theory the couple that I read on 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 the Twitter are so annoyed me so much. as like, oh god, please don't be true. I will lose all I will lose all respect for this series. A lot of them have. Well, you know who's going to end up on the in the big chair or on the throne? If you want to make the Game of Thrones analogy or whatever, it's going to be cousin Greg. It's like no, please don't. No, 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 no. I, you know, I, 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 don't agree with that. I think it would be ridiculous. It's, it sounds too much like Veep. It sounds or, or even reminiscent of the dopiness of Game of Thrones.
1: Like, yeah, we don't need Bran Stark on the throne. Yeah, we don't, we don't. We don't need a dumb
0: version of Bran Stark on the throne. Phone throne throne throne. throne. Alright, alright. That mean, That is my signal that I need to start wrapping this up. dokey. Um If you enjoyed this podcast, you'll enjoy hanging out on our Facebook page as well. It's the Serious TV Drama Podcast page. Like the page, join the conversation about shows like Succession, like Barry, pretty much anything else that's TV related or whatever the hell else you might want to talk about. You can find all of our Podcasts episodes, which I believe this makes 381, if I'm not mistaken. You can go to podbean.com, type in, you can type in serious TV drama podcast. You can type in STVD and it'll actually come up beautiful. You know where else you can type STVD or serious TV drama podcast? Pretty much most podcast platforms, but if you happen to go to Apple Podcasts, that's a place where you can also rate and review us. I don't, I don't mind seeing new ratings. Or I think we got one, a new rating the other day. Like, oh, look at us. We're like 51 now. Um, what else? You can follow us on Instagram one, one of these days. Hey, apparently I have a little bit more extra time than I used to have as of now. So I've got gonna- I'm going to maybe I'll have some time to finally post some pictures on Instagram and you can follow those amazing pictures, which are basically the pictures for the podcast. Um, our handle there is what is it? Serious TV drama is one word speaking of handles. I always refer to that as Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at Stvd podcast. That's Stvd, as in serious TV drama. Oh, by the way, all those pla- those places I mentioned, Podbean and Apple, and all those places, you can also find the Scott Forgot the Eighties podcast. It's a really cool one, and we're gonna post. I'm gonna post a new one soon. That's based on the movie Excalibur from 1981. Um, I think that's one you can actually listen to and mostly enjoy, even if you haven't seen the movie. Although. You can go spend three ninety nine on Apple and Apple Amazon Prime and watch the movie first and then listen to the podcast whatever you want to do anyhow next week we are going to try like heck to try to record that podcast in a perfect world we'll we'll get to it within twenty four hours of the finales if possible It depends on our lives it depends on our schedules. Uh, as all as I just hinted at, without getting into any personal details, my schedule has recently become a bit more open than it <laughs> needs to be. Um, but that is the hope because um, I would like to be able to get our thoughts and insights and whatever on Succession and and Barry too um, out there while it's still the hot topic, uh, more so than waiting till we release it on a Friday morning. So that that that's the hope. Yeah so it'll be like a Memorial Day release. <laughs> but it's based on whether we have time. Alrighty then. Uh Brian as always um thank you so much for again making time for the podcast and joining me. Uh your views are always greatly appreciated. Hey, do you know that Dan watches Succession? I didn't know that
1: until earlier today. Yeah, he 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 talked about watching it uh, this weekend when I saw him. You know, he kind of hinted at maybe joining the podcast. <laughs> so that'd run us from like an hour 40 to an hour 52. <laughs> uh, well, you know,
0: are we, are, we, are we including sniffling? No, anyway, <laughs> it's, it's 2015 again. I kid, I I I kid, I kid one of the co-founders of the podcast. I kid. But he probably doesn't listen anyway. Watch. I get a note from tomorrow. He listened.
1: We love you, Daniel. Of
0: course. he's he's He, he was a very nice man today. Anyway, thank you so much, Brian, for being here. And you can say something or not. I don't care.
1: <laughs> Good night. And, Scott, take care. I look forward to watching the finale and talking about it next week. There you go. And thank you all so much for listening.
0: Um, sorry, we ran a little bit longer than normal, but blame me. I'm a little out of it this evening. We will be here next week with that, with what I think will be one of our finest podcasting moments. And by the way, I have no idea what we'll be doing after that one is done. So that'll be something to think about, you know afterwards maybe we'll come up with an idea during that or you know because we, we, we got to do something there's other shows coming on i don't know i haven't i haven't looked at it. you know maybe we'll do uh, i don't know I'll, i can't think of anything I'll, I'll stop talking good night everybody
1: good night <laughs>